So, <clears throat> all right, we're going to get into <clears throat> the Word a little bit. As I was going through this, I was thinking about, it's going to kind of sound odd, but I was thinking of final words. You know, some of us, the end of our time, we have the opportunity to say something and we want to come out with that thing that is so eloquent that people will remember for all time. But most of us don't get that opportunity, and no matter if you're famous or not, you do not get that opportunity sometimes. For example, Elvis Presley's final words were, I'm going to the bathroom to read. Uh, sometimes the uh, words are full of what is really inside you. And King Henry II to his son Richard said, God grant that I may not die until I have had a fitting revenge on you. It's a nice thing for a father to say to his son. <laughs> um, sometimes it reveals what's truly important, and I like this. Jack Daniels, his final words were, one last drink, please. So, we had a man in this uh, congregation uh, many of you remember Dan Nichols sang in the choir, passed away a couple of years ago. Before he passed away, he was able to pray a blessing on each of his grandsons. Isn't that neat? See, sometimes we can use those final words for good, sometimes uh, not so good. Um, we remember one person that did use his final words for good, and he had a lot of time to think about what he would say. And he wanted to make his words as impactful as possible, and that was Jesus. We all remember Jesus' final words. We're going to look at them here, Acts 1.8. But he wanted to make his final words as impactful as possible. Uh, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, or to the ends of the earth. We know it as the Great Commission. You've heard it talked about many times, and I'm going to try and at least give us a little bit of different look at it this morning. See, our Jerusalem is Stowe and Cuyahoga Falls, right? It's our local area, and our Judea is kind of the greater Summit County area, maybe northern Summit County. Samaria is kind of cross-cultural missions locally. Okay, so maybe it would be going down to the inner city in Akron or going up to the inner city in Cleveland because the Samaritans were a little different people than the Jews at that time. And then, of course, the uttermost parts of the earth or to the ends of the earth. In Matthew, he says it a little different. He kind of skips the geography, I think probably because the last part probably made such an impact, he didn't think he needed to mention the other areas, but he says in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So he doesn't talk about the Jerusalem or the Judea. But if we go back to the verse in Acts, this is what I want to point out. There is a small word in this that changes the context of this verse, and that is the word and. See, he could have said, be my 
witnesses in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or to the uttermost parts of the earth. He could, could have said that, but he didn't. He said the word and, and it changes the context. In fact, I think the disciples were probably blown away by that statement at the end because they had not traveled for more than probably 100 miles from their house. And when he said the uttermost parts of the earth, they probably thought, what, what, what is he talking about? I could see Matthew looking at Luke and going, dude, you got a passport? Because I think we're going to need one, right? Because they had not traveled anywhere. Um, so what was the uttermost parts of the earth to them? Well, we know that it was kind of the Roman Empire. But what is the uttermost parts of the earth to us? Well, it's much, much larger, right? For example, Thailand might be considered the uttermost parts of the earth. I've never been there. Pete's been there. Maybe a few of you have been to Thailand. But it is definitely the uttermost parts of the earth, right? And that's where Jonathan English is serving. Uh, Jonathan and his soon-to-be wife, he's getting married here in a couple weeks, uh, are serving in Thailand. And there are... 113 people groups in Thailand. Jim talked a little bit about people groups last week. There are 113 distinct people groups, and 71% of them are without any evangelical witness of any kind. No opportunity to hear the gospel. That's what that means. No opportunity. There's no Christians. There's no church. There's nobody there that they could even go to to hear the gospel. 68 million people, and half of 1% are Christians, or about 300,000. If we put that into perspective in kind of square miles of Cuyahoga Falls and Stowe together, there would be about 70 Christians in those uh, two cities. So kind of gives you a perspective. Uh, Djibouti, Africa would definitely be the uttermost parts of the earth. In fact, uh, there's missionaries that we support, just like John, we support him. Uh, Daniel and Sierra Miller, when they told me that they were going to Djibouti, Africa, I had to look, I had never heard of it, and I had no idea where it was, I had to look it up, so I'm sure many of you had to do that as well. Um, but they are serving on the horn of Africa, and it is a place where it is illegal to talk to Muslims about Jesus. Uh, there is one-tenth of one percent one-tenth of one percent Christians. And most of those, oddly enough, are Ethiopian Orthodox Christians that have moved into the country. So virtually there are no Christians, uh, Muslims, that have come to know Christ. See, it's easy for, to forget our missionaries overseas, isn't it? They're here, we heard from Jonathan, and then they're away. See, the good thing about missionaries is that they are in faraway lands bringing the gospel to people, right? The bad thing about missionaries are they're in faraway lands bringing people to the gospel because we kind of go about our business and forget about them, right? It's easy to do. I do it. Uh, out of sight, out of mind sometimes. But they are an extension of our church, right? I mean, we are sending them out. It's, they're going from our congregation, and we are sending them out. So what are they doing over there? Right? You always wonder, what are they doing over there? Nobody's coming to Christ, so what are they doing? Well, um, we know that 
They are in places where people desperately need the gospel. They are in countries where there is virtually no opportunity to hear the gospel. John is in Thailand trying to educate and save kids from human trafficking. See, he's trying to save them physically so that then he can save them spiritually, right? Because that's what you have to do. You have to get them out of their situation, and then you can tell them about the love of Jesus Christ and forgiveness. And the Millers are in Africa, and they are having to make friends so that they can share. Because you can't just walk up to somebody and share. You have to invite them into your house, and you have to be a friend to them. So they're teaching English so that they can um, meet people. They're talking to their neighbors so they can meet people, so they can bring them in and tell them about Jesus' love and what Jesus has done in their life so that then uh, they can come to know him. Our church has great things happening in missions. You saw it this morning, right? Isn't that cool? That we are, we have invested in a church overseas that they would have no possible way, no way of ever raising the money for that house. I've been there. I guarantee it. They could, they could do a fundraiser in their church for 30 years, and they would never have been able to do what we did in a matter of a few weeks. Isn't that it's amazing to me how we work together. Um, but the question goes back to the call of Christ and what part are we going to play in the and to the ends of the world and to the uttermost parts of the earth? Because the call is for all of us, not from me, but from Jesus' words, right? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, I can't go to Africa. I can't go to Thailand. And I am right there with you. Okay? Just be real. I'm not there either. And God has not called me to those places. So you can relax. We're not going to hand out plane tickets for a one-way ticket to Thailand. It's okay. Um, but some of you, I, I don't want to pass this by because it's interesting. Some of you, a few of you, should be over there. You know that? Maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, God said to you, you need to be a missionary. And he prompted in your heart that you should go. And you've kind of let that slip away. And over the years, the call got softer and softer until you just couldn't hear it anymore. So if that's you, you need to say to the Lord, here am I, send me, and find out what he wants you to do with that call. But for most of us, that's not the call. For most of us, it's not that. So then, what do we do? Because Jesus says in the verse that we all need to be a part of our Jerusalem and our Judea and our Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We all have to take part in that last part of the call. Well, the good news is you have two other things that you can do, and you don't even need to leave your home, your area, and that is to pray and to give. And I'm going to talk about prayer just for a second here. There are some of you here that are prayer warriors. You spend hours praying for people, 
intercessing for our church, for our leaders. And that is your gift, and it is a gift. It's not mine, but it's yours. You need to be praying for our missionaries. You need to be grabbing those prayer letters and praying daily for our missionaries. There are a lot of stories that I have heard over the years where somebody has been prompted to pray, and at that exact moment, the missionary is going through just a terrible trial, and they don't find out, they don't match up the time until two or three years later, and they say, I was so prompted to pray for you, and they say, you know what, that's the exact time I was going through this. So prayer is really, really important to our missionaries. And the last one, of course, is giving. And we have sent out two people from our congregation full-time, only two, and that's great. That is, that is more than many churches ever have. But we need to be supporting them. We need to be taking care of them. And I will tell you this morning, without just getting real, both of our missionaries that are over there are at half support. So they need support from all of us. It's kind of like in, I thought of World War II, and, you know, we sent those troops over there and everybody sacrificed at home, you know, whether it was, you know, using your tires longer, whatever it was, everybody sacrificed so that we could support the people overseas that were serving our country, and that's kind of what God has called us to do here. And you know what's interesting? Paul had the same issue. Isn't that funny? You think the Apostle Paul said, I want to go on a missionary journey. I would have thought God would have like rained money down on him so that he could get on the boat and take off. I mean, he was the Apostle Paul, of course, you know, why wouldn't that happen? But if we look at Philippians 4, it says, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. And skipping down, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that you have received the gifts that I've received, the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Is that the same version? Yes. Isn't that cool? They were a fragrant offering. I love that word, fragrant offering. You know how excited our missionaries get when they get somebody else supporting them. It encourages them. Not only takes care of their physical need, but it encourages them. It's like a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice. And that's important because these people were not giving probably out of their abundance. They were giving out of their sacrifice. And I always, I, as I was looking through this, I thought, what could Paul have done if he had more support? Think about that. Maybe there were times when Paul said, oh yeah, I can't go on that missionary journey there because I just don't have the support to take the boat fare and, and go with those people. So there could have been probably areas that could have been reached for the gospel if Paul had had more support. See, we don't want to be like the church that didn't support him at the beginning. 
So what does it mean for a missionary to be at half support? Well, for Daniel and Sierra, it might mean Daniel wants to invite 10 people over that he's met, and if you invite people over in a Muslim culture, you have to have a big feast for them, and Sierra says, we don't have the money to bring 10 people over. I don't have really just money for groceries, so can you invite two over this week, and maybe we'll invite the next two over next week because we need to be able to have uh, a nice feast for whoever we have. That's the reality. So I'm asking you, where do you fit in? That's what our uh, banner says, where do you fit in? And you all got a little puzzle piece, hopefully. If you didn't, this is what they look like. Um, some of them are big pieces, some of them are little pieces. And I like to work puzzles. Um, every no November, December, I get a couple puzzles out, and I start to work these puzzles. Some of them are, are really big. And I remember a couple years ago, I got down to close to the end, and I looked, and there were five pieces still empty, right, in my big puzzle, and only four in the box. Now, very upsetting, okay? I mean, really, almost, you know, depression set in. So I'm looking all over, and, you know, I'm looking like in my shirt. Maybe it got caught in here. I asked Melanie, did you sweep in here? And she's like, no, I didn't sweep. And I said, well, where is this piece? Why was it so important? I mean, 99 point whatever percent of the puzzle was done. Why was it so important that I had all the pieces? Because the puzzle's not complete unless all the pieces are there. See, the call and missions is not complete unless we're all doing something. And we may be a big piece or we may be a little piece, but God has a piece for us to play in the Jalisco Church, in uh, Daniel Sierra and Jonathan English and the Neelys that were here last week that can't go on the mission field. They have been waiting for a year to go on the mission field. They can't go because they don't have the support. Isn't that crazy? Somebody wants to go. I don't want to go. Most of us don't want to go, but they're willing to go, but they can't get the support. Um, so we're all important to that call. We are all a piece of the puzzle. Now, maybe you say, you know what? Missions isn't really my thing. It's not really my focus. That's okay. If your focus is Jerusalem, that's fine. But... We all have to be a part because it says, and Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So your part may only be, I'm going to pray once a week for these missionaries and their needs. Your, your part may only be, I'm going to give $5 a month to at least one of these missionaries. Whatever it is, you need to play that part. Um, I'm going to tell... Uh, little story here. Um, when my wife and I were on the mission field, the first place we went was to Graz, Austria. It's on the Yugoslavian border, um, and uh, we were working with about 30. We had a team of 30 people, and when Operation Mobilization, the group that we were with, they, this was a short term. This was just a month, and then we went to our long term. 
But they sent you out for four weeks with two weeks worth of money, okay? And you're supposed to pray that the rest of it would come in. And sometimes that came in easily, the church supported you or whatever, sometimes it didn't, and in this case, it didn't. And we were about three weeks in, we had no money on the team, and none of us had credit cards, believe me. This was back, way back, and nobody was allowed to bring personal money. And so we decided we would have a prayer meeting, uh, which we normally did, but this one was a little bit more important because we were, didn't have food. <laughs> and so we start praying, and while we were praying, this knock comes on the door, and our leader kind of goes over, he opens the door, and this guy comes in. We don't know who he is or anything. Uh, so we're continuing to pray, and when we get done praying, this guy comes over to our leader, and he tells his story, kind of. He says, hey, um, I am from Yugoslavia, and about two years ago, I uh, worked with uh, OM team up here just doing evangelism, and I was hoping that I could do some evangelism with you. I wasn't sure if you guys were here. I didn't know for sure if, uh, you're, you know, this was the time that you were here, but I wanted to come up, and oh, by the way, I brought this money to take care of my kind of time here, and it was, you know, it wasn't 10 bucks, it was $100 or whatever, way more than what he, uh, what we would have paid for his food and stuff. So why am I telling you that story? Because he was a piece of the puzzle and the Lord prompted him to go up there. He could have easily said, you know what, I don't even know if they're there. I got to cross the border. I got to take the train. And I don't even know if they're going to be there or what church they're in. But he didn't. He stepped out and he said, Lord, I'm going to go up there. And on the other end, he thought he was just coming up for us, but he was such a blessing to us. He was a peace. See, we all have that peace, and it may be something big and grand like that, or it may be something small. <clears throat> there should be no need for our missionaries to pray for support. If everyone was involved in a small way, their needs would be met. This is what John Piper says. All the money needed to send and support an army of self-sacrificing, joy-spreading missionaries is already in the church. All the money needed to send and support is already in the church. Here's an interesting statistic. Um, Americans, not Christians, but Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for our pets than we do on missions in unreached parts of the world. Isn't that amazing? So you say, is that all you're talking about is giving? No. For most of us, it's giving. For some of us, it's praying. For some of us, it's going. It's what is God calling you to do? Um, I've talked to a lot of missionaries. In fact, I talked to the Brewbakers when they were up here, and they said this, and I've heard it probably three other times. I said, How's your support? They're long-term missionaries. I said, how's your support? And they said, well, it's good, it's okay, except that it's dying off. And I go, what do you mean? They said, well, literally, it's dying off. As older people pass away, our supporters, there's nobody there to take up the slack. So 
you know, it's been the older generation, but you know what? Older generation could do a lot more too. There's some of you here that are my age or older. You could be given two, three hundred dollars a month to missions. In fact, when I was praying for this sermon, the Lord told me there was somebody in this congregation that should be given five hundred dollars a month to missions. He told me that directly. I don't know who it is, but we need to do more. And, and then I want to talk to the younger people here for just a minute. And some of you noticed that I brought up these Starbucks cups because it, it, it kind of is just a symbolism of, I don't know what this represents, $20 a month, maybe $20 a week. And it's not just Starbucks. It could be restaurant gift cards, it could be iPhones, it could be anything, but um, I just wanted to have you younger people think about, you know, what you could do, maybe $5, $10, whatever, just, just get involved, that's all I'm asking, is just get involved. Um, if you, see, the, the Lord has given this country great wealth you may not know it but if you walk around to, or if you go to other parts of the country we are filthy rich in this country if you make $55,000 a year you are in the 1% of the richest people in the world if you make $55,000 a year but with that great wealth comes responsibility and I believe that I believe God has given this country wealth and one of the reasons is to support missionaries, to take the gospel around the world is this country's responsibility. And believe me, if you don't think this message is for me, you're wrong. When I get home, Melody's, Melody's going to give me the checkbook and she's going to say, start writing checks because it's tough for me to give. This is what John Wesley said. He was speaking to a group, and with this I'm closing. He was speaking to a group of Methodist ministers, and he said this. You have nothing to do but to save souls. Therefore, spend and be spent in this work. It's not your business to preach so many times and take care of this or that society but to save souls, as many souls as you can, and to bring them to repentance. That's it. That is the reason, that is the only reason for the church to exist, is to save souls. That's it. Everything else we do is for our Jerusalem, and it's important to, to do things in our Jerusalem, just as it's important to do the uttermost parts of the earth. And... One last thing, Daniel Miller, many of you know him, married to Sierra, the missionary. He is very intense. And talk to him, maybe you don't see it, but he always says to me, I say, hey, Daniel, how you doing? What are you doing? And, you know, he always says to me, people need Jesus. And I always kind of, it always catches me off guard, and I always kind of snicker a little bit because it's just almost too intense for me. But that's what he says. People need Jesus. And that's what they want to do, is tell people about Jesus. So what part are you playing 
in telling people about Jesus across the world. So let's go ahead and we'll just bow our heads and pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this service. Thank you for what we are doing in Jalisco, Mexico, and all around the world. Lord, you are using this church. You are. You are using this church. Lord, all I want is for us to be used more. So as you're sitting in your seat, um, I want to just ask you a few things. Maybe, like I mentioned, the Lord said to you many years ago, or maybe just now, you need to be doing more in missions, and you need to be going. I am calling you to go. And if that's you, if you feel like God has called you to actually go, then I just want you to lift up your hand, and then you can just put it right back down. I, it's not the looking around. I just want you to uh, acknowledge that with the Lord. And then maybe the Lord says to you, you need to be praying for our missionaries. You need to be intercessing so that when they speak to people, the Holy Spirit comes through them and they see me. If God is calling you to pray more for these missionaries, I just want you to just lift up your hand and you can just put it right back down. And then lastly, and it's for me, and it's for most of us. Maybe you say, man, I haven't been giving much, or I've been giving some, but I could give a lot more to missionaries. And I just want to see the Lord proclaimed across the world. And I want to be more a part of that. And if, if God is calling you to do that, whether it's $5, $10, $50, whatever, just raise your hand and put it back down. Lord, I just thank you for this week. Thank you that um, you're moving in the world. Thank you that you're using us. It's exciting, Lord, and we thank you for that, Lord. Just help us to keep our missionaries in mind. Help us to remember what they're doing and keep them in mind. And we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if, if you have said, you know, I think I should start supporting a missionary, well, we believe that um, uh, when you hear the word, you should take action on it. So we're going to make it easy for you. If you said, I want to support Jonathan, I want to support the Whites, or the Millers. <laughs> um, outside, we've got a couple tables set up that if you want to um, actively get a card or actively physically sign up to support them this morning, you can do that. So thank you, and we're just going to close. Uh, if you have uh, any questions about anything that we showed up here, and you want to talk to me, I'll be around. So, Lord, again, we just thank you. Keep us safe, and uh, we just love you, and we praise you so much for what you're doing in our lives and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen.